Channel 8 News. News you can depend on. You heard it here first. And at the top of the hour, Brooklyn Queens Expressway shut down in yet another blizzard amidst financial windfall. The Dow is at an all-time low. Stocks... Uh, fuck this job, Larry. I fucking hate this job. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Red Hook, Brooklyn. Thank you so much, everybody. Okay. All right. Fucking apocalypse. It's a fucking apocalypse. Alright, sit the fuck down. It's a fucking apocalypse. Jesus Christ. Should I even ask? How's everybody doing? If I'm honest, I'm a little exhausted. <clears throat> I'm in my living room today um, as to not be the uh, golem that I have been um, downstairs in my basement. So if you hear some loud noises and trucks and so on, it's because I'm, um, yeah, I'm just doing a couple panes of glass to the street. I want to talk today about your psyche and how to keep it from going to shit. I live in New York City. Not gonna lie. Shit's bad. Shit's fucking bad. And there's gonna be there's gonna be a sweary, a very sweary episode today. Cause, you know, when people are proposing mass graves in your city. Um, exhumable mass graves, and you can swear. I will say this. This Zoom thing is really great. I uh, I jumped on Zoom with some people from Patreon last night for a birthday, and it was a hoot. Now, truth is, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to go outside. Who needs outside? We got everything we need in here, in the bunker, in the nuclear... nuclear blast <laughs> bunker. Uh, old Bernie dropped out of the race. Old Bernie, listen, I'm Bernie Sanders. <laughs> oh, bless his heart, man. Lionheart Bernie. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Names that will probably never make a comeback. Um, Bernard. I don't know if Bernard's ever going to be Melvin. Um, Herman. Um, Buford. Uh, what else have I got? And last but not least, Herbert. Now, if we needed more evidence that shit is definitely getting weird, I'm I'm watching I'm actively watching children's movies. I began to watch uh, the Neverending Story last night um, with my homeboy Bastian. If anybody remembers uh, Falcor and uh, Artax and Bastian, um, I was watching it last night, and you know. That was a pretty legit soundtrack. When you think about the synth that was going on in that track, uh, in that movie, I started reading about it, did not realize, um, here's the dirt. Here's the dirt on Neverending Story. Apparently, the kid Bastion was a fantastic actor. Everyone loved working with him. Now, 
Itreyu, on the other hand, was a pain in the ass. The guy was like a diva, right? Um, I didn't realize it was the most expensive German film of all time. And how could we not pause to pay our respect to the synthy jam that is the, 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 the tune, the never-ending story? Turn around, open up your seat. That was the it was a number one hit, I guess, in Germany. That was a weird time, man. Probably, you know, the Berlin Wall was still up and the uh, had not fallen yet. It was, I think, it came out in '85, which is pretty crazy because I was roughly the age of that kid. So that kid is probably my age now. I wonder if he turned into like a. Uh, what do they, they call him a voice actor? Is that the is that a voiceover guy? In a world starring Sylvester Stallone as William McCarthy. I don't know. Um, anywho. Pretty interesting stuff out there, guys. Um, anybody see the Bill Gates chat the other day? He was talking about uh, vaccines and how far out he thinks we are from them. Good news is I think they're on the way. Bad news is I think it's going to be a year plus uh maybe even a year and a half but in that time in that time americans fellow americans <clears throat> we're turning into better cooks i was listening to a podcast it was a, a jewish guy and he was saying that um, on the sabbath it's like a painting it's like instead of spending your whole life painting the thing you know, you take the, you take a day of rest to admire the painting and, and, and see where your you know where your growth is and, and and what the big picture is, which I totally think is legit. Living in a city where it's totally acceptable to step on people's heads, and um, you know get people get really pissy about even offering their seat to a you know fellow man or putting a tip inside of a homeless person's cup. I mean, this is a city I live in. Got Wall Street, and they're calling us Ground Zero Two, and it's brutal, man. It's brutal, and there's just this, you know, there's this kind of a sad thinning of the herd thing that happens. I didn't realize that in the late '60s there was something called the Hong Kong flu, which also um, ravished mankind and caused great havoc. Uh, I didn't realize that, and I because it's obviously when you're thinking about uh, you know an epidemic or a pandemic, you're thinking about something during World War One. It's really hard to relate to that. Um, you, the, the plague, you see people these really strange looking raven masks and shit. Like I, um, Egon Schiele, one of my favorite artists. I guess that dude died like waving goodbye to his family in a mirror. They were like in a hallway. God, man. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a lot that's coming out of this. I personally think it would be really cool to start in a, a Zoom pub. That's something that I started thinking about. <clears throat> and actually, I, you know, once, of course, when you have a transcendent breakthrough idea, you realize a bunch of other people have had the same idea. People are doing bingo. And they're, is anybody trying the Zoom stuff? It's very weird because there's, you know, I think I was on a call yesterday with 12 people. And there's no kind of protocol to it. It's a very kind of discombobulated feeling. But I think if you're drinking, it does start to settle down into kind of a weird cacophony of a, like a, a like a, a mashup. 
kind of a tapestry of different voices and and squelches and squeaks and squeals and strange latency. Um, can be fun though. It's nice seeing other humans. And not for nothing, man, living in New York City, I never touch doorknobs, ever. That I always put my hand inside my pocket, inside my, my jacket pocket, and I open the doorknob through the jacket pocket. Like if you go to the bathroom, that's always done with your feet. Um, if you have to lift up the toilet seat, you lift it up with your shoe. Uh, I think we all do touch the faucet, which sucks, but I can kind of go to the bathroom and go take a piss and really only ever touch the faucet. Um, and I was, I was thinking, you know, once upon a time, Augustine's, we all got pneumonia. If anybody remembers the gruesome twosome, um, that's sadly, this is the music business for you. Uh, Eric got really ill and we had to leave him in a hotel in Germany, literally left him. I think we bought him as much like paracetamol and like pills and stuff that we could give him. And we were going to come back for him in a week. It's so bad. But we just kept going on with the tour. And it wasn't because we just rolled out of bed and said, hey, you know, we want to abandon our friend. It was just that that there's so much pressure upon um, an act to keep these dates because they take so long to book and then the tickets and the refunding, refunding an entire tour. No one wants to ever do that. Fans are disappointed. The venues are in a lurch. You're in a bad spot. So I was like, look, we're going to, we're going to do this. Rob and I are going to finish the tour as a twosome. So we called ourselves the gruesome twosome and we finished it. But we all got sick from an airplane and I, I still have a lot of resentment about that. Eric got up first and we heard him coughing. I mean, he sounded bad. It, it, it sounded bad. And um, it was like a war, like an infirmary, like a or <laughs> World War One Zyklon B hospital or something. It was like just wheezing in the night. And Rob and I are just like, Rob's like, oh, do know, mate. Uh, <laughs> sounds bad. And, you know, we did our best. Uh, but... You go to the bathroom, you sit on the toilet seat. I don't know, you you, you wipe your hand on the on the towel. Um, you you touch things. And, and, you know, I have a lot of resentment towards airplanes because I always wanted to wear gloves, but I wasn't adult enough to say, I'm going to sit here in a mask and gloves because it's literally gotten me sick. Like when we would go over to Europe, often, often um, we would get ill. And how could you not? You're sitting on a fucking airplane. You're breathing some guy's farts for 12 hours. Um, so you're breathing on a molecular level, like whatever's coming out of a kid's diaper, um, a dude's uh, breath, a woman's um, cough, a uh, drunk drunk people on the back that are coming back from their NASCAR trip, um, just whatever shit they picked up from some sports bar down in Tallahassee. It's like, it's, it was endless and I, it really did take us down and there was nothing we could do. You know, those, um, vitamin C packets that you can get. Um, we had those and we would, I remember like drinking so many of those that it would turn my stomach. Right. Um, I'd get kind of a gaggy and have the shits. It was terrible, but that's how, how affected we, our health was by the, um, 
the breeding ground of an airplane. So it's nice that we've gotten to this place where we're actually learning proper, proper um, conduct. Really, I, I've I've heard that Asia is ahead of us on this stuff, and that they have just learned how to mitigate and shut down illness, like in its tracks. And you know, I I just I was on tour in November in in Southeast Asia, and I remember like. You know, not being a dick, but I was kind of, kind of laughing to myself, like, Jesus Christ, man, I've been wearing a mask, bro. You fucking loosen up, dude. You're at a cafe. Like, <laughs> fucking, it's not something you want to wear to a dance club, homie. Um, you're like, like female repellent. Just wear a mask, hang out, <laughs> stir your, stir your drink. Wink at girls. <laughs> but the, yeah, masks are like, um, you're not really putting points on the board. It's a real Lothario. Uh, and I'm, I'm being funny, but like even you look like the overly concerned, like, you know, drive through guy. It's like, I got the gloves. I got the mask. I got the goggles. I basically don't want to be here in any way, shape, or form, but I am. Um, all right, let's move on. <clears throat> Films, TV, entertainment. All right, there's a fella out there, South African, and thank you very much for turning me on to Johnny Clegg. Johnny Clegg, a.k.a. the White Zulu, fella died really recently. He was a real hero, a real folk hero in, um, in South Africa, and I spent most of the week not only studying up on him and learning about him, also studying up about apartheid and Mandela. And I, re I remember that being huge when I was a kid. And, um, and it's like, you know, I know, I know what apartheid was, but like really getting in there and realizing what happened to Nelson Mandela for 27 years when he was locked up. So that's been an interesting journey. Um, I started watching, anybody checking out The Plot Against America? Um, I think it's on Netflix. I started watching it. It's New Jersey and Manhattan in the 40s, Jewish family. And basically, I, I totally misread this whole thing. I thought it was about like the Jewish American experience going into World War II and and their their journey, you know, through anti-Semitism and um, as going through the war. I didn't realize it was like an alternate reality, like a like a, an imagined an imagined future or imagined history or whatever they call it. I think it's like if, if Charles Lindbergh, the pilot, became president. Um, I don't like fantasy, man. How about you guys? Anybody? Um, like, who's that Who's that guy, African-American dude, Neil Tyson DeGrasse? Is that his name? The, like, the, the, the space guy? He's always talking about planets and he's like a physicist or whatever. Um, I can't. It's hard for me to get into space, man. I know that today, like, there's a European um, spacecraft en route to Mercury, I think it is. And, like, this shit, it doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. I don't know, man. It just, I feel like when it comes to science and space and, and fantasy, I don't know. I'm like a reality guy. Okay. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to pay our respects to Mr. John Prine. 
and we are back. So, amongst many, many people, we lost a tremendous songwriter, uh, Mr. John Prine. Uh, John Prine was a songwriter that came um, to, he, he came in public consciousness in the 70s. Um, he was touted as being the, the next Dylan alongside Bruce Springsteen. And I believe he's from Champaign, Illinois. Um, country music singer who had definitely a drawl and a very laid back, witty style of lyricism and singing. Um, a real fascinating writer and a very comforting, comforting musician. He's one of those guys. I mean, John Prine, it's... It's 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 such a tragedy that that he he is gone because he was you know much like Johnny Cash I think Johnny Cash had like a rebel spirit and somehow John Prine managed to be the the most clever guy in the room without you even realizing that he was he was you know I his his lyrics um, as a as a lyricist myself um, his lyrics were. Um, deceptively simple and they always had these like multiple multiple narratives going on um there's a song called sam stone about a vietnam veteran that has has trouble adjusting back um if, if you guys have never heard the song check it out he he's having a difficult time readjusting back to society and um there's just a wonderful i mean a really poignant lyric there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes jesus christ died for nothing i suppose and he you know he would have these like kind of heavy lines and then he would much like kurt cobain would kind of be sincere 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 and then like kind of tap out and say something like kind of sardonic or sarcastic um, John Prine will kind of do something anatomical sometimes. Like he'll talk about his ears or noses um, or like anatomy in the middle of like kind of these sentiments and just woven in such a masterful way. Um, what a voice. He's one of these guys. I think he had, God, I think he had throat surgery. He had a stint in his heart. He had, um, he beat, he, he, there was something else he beat. I think it was another cancer and his voice changed. He's one of these guys, his voice changed over his career, but it changed like Johnny Cash. It changed for the better. It's an interesting thing. The comfort that a human voice can, um, can offer. And it's an interesting thing. Um, when someone has an effortless talent and John Prine certainly had an effortless talent, he changed and, really only improved and all we can hope for as artists is to be like John Prine when it's your final hour um, <clears throat> or hours and you're you're checking out of the grand hotel that is um, l-i-f-e all caps the life hotel in your 70 plus years or whatever we get if you can be revered like John Prine, you've done uh, you've done a magnificent job. Seemed like a, a dad to many many musicians. Um, he was rediscovered um, by a whole new like a whole new generation of musicians. Um, 
I think the Black Keys worked with him. I know Jason Isbell worked with him and um, Iris Dement. People just had the most lovely things to say about the guy. I never listened to his music and, and turned it off because it was too much. Kind of like an old worn corduroy sofa chair or like an old coat, an old denim coat. That's what John Prine reminds me of, comfort. So I just want to pay my respect to him. A magnificent lyricist and one of the best songwriters, uh, living songwriters in America. So thank you to John Prine. As a vocalist and as a you know a, a singing a person who lives from singing, it's it is very interesting how people's voices can change. Um, if you listen to Robert Plant, his voice has changed, and you know bands will often have to kind of tune their instruments down a half step or a whole step so these people can hit the notes. Eddie Vedder doesn't really hit all the notes he used to. You know how could he? I don't know what happens with your like larynx and your throat, but things change. But you know who I was also studying this week, this fascinating Miss Lady Day, um, Billie Holiday, did not realize that she was from Philly. And I didn't realize that she was affluent. Like, I always thought that she was like handcuffed to her bed and um, when she was dying and that people were trying to extort like lenders and people were trying to extort money out of her and get money that she owed. But I just saw like a clip on YouTube about her, her home. I think it was on West 87th Street. Absolutely beautiful. Five story brownstone, um, plaster mold ceilings absolutely gorgeous um parlors uh a downstairs kind of cigar room really beautiful uh, but she's very interesting because her voice started to crack up um from all the cigarettes and probably the drink and just those hard years in america but you know whose voice picked up steam as they were declining edith piaf um she, her voice was like just a it was all muscle it was just this massive muscle and uh it you know had it got hoarse but it just got more character and uh you know i know that lady smoked a lot Joni mitchell smoked a lot uh but it's really just genetic i think you know the people's if your voice uh begins to sound like mickey rourke looks uh <laughs> it's not a bad thing you're telling stories I think the trick is trying to figure out what stories are the more are, are, are believable that you can tell and which aren't with your voice. When I started singing in Pela at the very beginning, I had sort of like a high-pitched, um, kind of like a, I wouldn't say sting, but it was very like kind of high. And it's really dropped down as I've gotten older, and it's nice because I can kind of tell those stories. And I wonder sometimes about technique. Tom Waits. His voice sounds like um, like somebody took a old beaten up tennis shoe and put it through a cheese grater, uh, <laughs> um, and then put it in someone's drink. Um, it, yeah, but did did he damage his voice because he didn't have the voice that he has now? He had a very clean nineteen seventies kind of I wouldn't say James Taylor, but not far from that all the songwriterly guys billy joel and he definitely had one of those voices okay well we've covered it all um we've covered the apocalypse um 
Bernie, Mr. John Prine, and life as we know it right now. Again, guys, keep looking for those positives and the negatives. That's been my focus. Um, if you're struggling through something, just remember this too shall pass. Um, tr- not a bad time to learn another language. Not a bad time to pick up stuff that you're not good at and improve it. And here's an experiment. Here's what I've been trying to do since the beginning of the year. If you take the things that you believe that you are that are your weakest, um, weakest the weakest parts of your your toolbox, um, and you focus on them, uh, the first thing you wake up, the last thing you know until the last thing you think about before you go to sleep, and you really try and push, amazing things can flourish and happen. Um, I've been filming a lot like video and putting my own music to things. I've been putting my own music to podcasts and recording and really staying busy. And it's amazing, but it's okay to fail. I literally filmed my New York City Serenade episode, um, I think three days ago, four days ago. I'm still suffering from it. Um, I worked on it for 14 hours and something with my camera when I checked, when we like checked the playback. It looked like it was playing back fine, but it was actually on a slow motion setting. So I shot um, 14, you know, whatever, however long the day was of shooting, all of it was shot in slow motion. I couldn't use anything. And I had like built this set and um, moved all this furniture and had taped up construction paper and lights and worked really hard on the lighting and got the lens right and a lens cover and, I mean, sorry, a filter. Um, I'd ran three different mics, four different cameras, and it's all unusable. It's absolutely painful to be terrible at shit, but this is the time to do it, right? Think about it, man. Um, Take this time to work on yourself. This is your time. This is a gift. We never get to do this. We we go out and rent timeshares and weird cabins um, overlooking lakes to reflect for just a moment, just for a week. And we're able to do that every day now. So this is a gift. I know the headlines are gory. Um, Look away, take breaks, and tell your loved ones that uh, you miss them. And hey, pick up the phone and call them. That's it, guys. I really appreciate you uh, being with me today. And I hope I kept you company a little bit and have a uh, fantastic rest of your week. And uh, I love you guys. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from New York City.